Ahem. This podcast is brought to you by the Almamac and Scientific Canada. It was recorded on the traditional territories shared between the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabe nations. Enjoy. I feel like I just butchered that again, even though we <laughs> we just had the conversation. Okay. My research on <laughs> uh, light adaptation in the in the fish right now. I'm sitting in a kiddie pool, actually. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite nice. Oh, that would be great. But it's oh, uh, not very professional. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm your host Adam and we are back with the second half of our Francesco Zangari interview. So if you remember from two weeks ago, maybe maybe two weeks ago? Yeah, about two weeks ago. I gave you the first half of my interview with Francesco. Um, he is a grad student at University of Toronto and we talked a bit about his research. He uh, you know, he's sort of a, a bio guy. He does some uh, in-lab research, but we also kind of focused on science communication. And one of the reasons we did that is he was a um, he attended ComSciCon GTA, so that's a science communication conference, uh, and it was the first one hosted for the Greater Toronto Area. Uh, Francesco, he you know he does his research. He uh, he's a grad student, as are many of our listeners. Um, but he's very much into the science communication realm, uh, and I think career-wise, he really wants to get into writing. Um, that's kind of reflected by his Twitter handle at uh, FranTheWriter1. So I, I, you know, you should go follow him right now. Um, but yeah, we we talked about his, you know, his research, uh, some of the takeaways he had from uh, the social media panels at this uh, conference. And then we had to cut it because, you know, we talked for quite a while. Um, but now we're back and we're going to talk about specifically the writing portion of this conference. So one of the cool things about this conference is uh, all attendees write a uh, an article or some sort of creative writing science communication piece. Some people, you know, I've met some people who have written children's books as a part of this. But um, so you write this this document whatever you want to do, and uh, you submit it to other attendees, and you go through rounds of edits, um, you know, sort of honing the story, making it look good. And as a last step, uh, attendees are broken into groups who then are assigned a basically a professional writer or somebody who's sort of in the media, an expert, if you will, who goes through all of these uh, submissions and gives it their edit. Um, so we're going to talk to Francesco about the thing that he wrote for the conference, uh, his expert, and the uh, the you know the takeaways that he had from uh, from this experience. So, without further ado, here comes Francesco. Um, right. So maybe we can jump into the uh, the writing panel now. Sure. Um, so you talked a little bit about your experiences with writing so far, mm-hmm. and uh, this writing panel. What what uh, what form did it take? Like, what uh, what topics were covered? Was it uh, how to craft stories, or was it you know how to break into writing, or what did, what did you get into? I mean, so it was titled um, "A Brief Introduction to Science Writing," um, and it was held by Dan Falk, who is an award-winning science journalist. But he's 
he's, he's pretty up there. Um, but I think what I appreciated from overall in the panel was how he would, first of all, just introduce us to science writing. Like he knows some of us might have had experience here or there, um, but he really kind of took us to what science writing is. And, you know, the answer is it's a lot of things quite broad, but he tends to write more new science stories, which is what I've done and kind of the path that I'd like to follow. Um, and so he really broke that down from crafting a good story to digging up facts to interviewing the right people. And then um, he was really talking about how to break down, especially those first few paragraphs of a story, um, to really hook in the reader. And so that was, you know, one of the big focuses um, during the um, panel. And then, you know, throughout the panel, he would keep giving us this lecture. And then we actually broke up into breakout rooms to discuss two papers that he found. Um, this was related to some discovery of phosphine on Venus. And he just wanted us to compare and contrast, you know, the two different styles, which one they liked more. Um, and then he stuck around, did a little bit more Q&A. And so I think for me, it was obviously my favorite workshop because I kind of got into the mind of a science writer, an experienced science writer, which is super cool. Um, something that you don't really get anywhere else. Yeah, that's neat. Um, it's really cool that you uh, picked such a topical topic, the whole phosphine Venus thing. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. And was this paired with um, with the, uh, what, shoot, what's it called? The write-a-thon thing? Did, was he involved in the write-a-thon side as well? Or was uh, he? he no. No, he was, I don't think he was one of the experts. Um, the experts, I don't actually, I don't think, any of the experts for the write-a-thon uh, presented in the panels or anything. Um, so I think they tried to keep that separate for whatever reason, but I might be wrong on that. Okay. Um, but he, he, by the time he presented, the write-a-thon was mostly done for most people. Um, because both, just before the conference, most people had met their expert. Now, this wasn't the case for me, so I got a different experience. Um, but that was generally the case. Okay. Um, looking back, though, um, if you were to go back and, and edit your piece from the write-a-thon, do, do you think there was anything that you would take away from the, um, the panel that you would you know, want to incorporate into your piece or anything you'd like to edit with the uh, new information? Yeah, definitely, for sure. Um, well, I'm not done my write-a-thon piece, actually, um, so I haven't fully completed it and submitted it yet. Um, because I've been trying to get some more uh, outside commentary on the story. Um, and so I would say that I've definitely tried to incorporate some of his tips, especially for um, crafting a, a good lead, which is, you know, kind of like what he calls the hook and then the nut graph, which is, you know, what's the story about? Um, and kind of like science writing is weird because you have, okay you know, hook, line, and sinker, and then story. And so I definitely have to change some of my story, um, make it better. And then also when I met with um, my expert. And so I almost feel like I've got two experts in that. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, I guess um, sometimes I like to think about um, when it comes to writing, 
uh, you sometimes hear this about like bad video games or whatever. You mm-hmm. you want to put like fifty percent or more of your effort into like the first twenty percent of the the article or the piece thing that you're writing because ninety percent of people will probably only go through maybe the the first twenty bit twenty percent of yep. the the thing. Yeah, it's it's cool that uh, he focused so much on the the first little bit. Yeah. And then he also talked about like pitching, of course. That's what I do all day. He's like, I pitch all day because that's, you know, he's a freelance writer from um, what I understand. So it was nice to get that in-depth look into freelance Mm -hmm. as well. Um, How have you done a lot of pitching personally? I, I would say not really. I've, definitely um been pitched things to write mm-hmm. um that's how it works at the varsity at least one place i've written um with massive i've done a little bit of pitching um i wouldn't say i wouldn't say i have extensive experience pitching i just i don't feel i've grasped that yet although i also haven't tried per se to some of these bigger outlets um, so that's definitely something to work on for me at least yeah, personally, I've been trying to think of ways to, you know, practice pitching. I don't have all the time in the world to uh, freelance write. I'm mm-hmm. sure that's not really uh, a problem if I just start pitching to random magazines as much as uh, as I possibly can. I'm sure I won't get picked up and, uh, you know, be unreasonably busy. But uh, I've, I've been trying to think of ways to practice that that, you know, isn't necessarily trying to write an article for for wired or something like that i hear you it's it's an art yeah. it's an art and it takes time to do well i would say find something that you're passionate about i think that's the recommendation i always get and start from there mm. and don't be afraid to highlight why you're the right person um so i did a little bit of pitching um, in one of the internships um i participated in over the summer with the national association of science writers Mm-hmm. Um, and pitching is not what you think it is. It's it's tricky. It's it's distilling your story to the point that it's not a story, but it could be. And so it's it's all and it's every and every. I got to pitch my pitch to all these panel of editors, and the reaction to it was so variable. In which one person was like, "Yeah, I like the solution first, not the problem second, and problem second. Um, I like this this way." And so, like, it really is a crapshoot. Um, so I think you just got to give it your your go. Something I haven't done yet, but I think I'm gonna start. I mean, you got nothing to lose. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess um, that one of the the big things that that I've heard from science writers is like, once you start writing a lot, you start to get to know editors and uh correct correct mm-hmm. and i guess that's probably uh, a key to you know tailoring your pitch some people are going to like it one way some people will like it the other way and yeah. you just have to learn the people you're going to be working with I, I guess no for sure that that's part of the tricks of the trade but i'm like we're, we're pretty new at this so we really don't know editors that well and we're really kind of pitching to an email Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what makes it tricky, but getting good mentors is something that, you know, is important. And I think as part of the internship that I did with, like I just mentioned, um, I still in contact with my mentor, um, 
and that's been helpful. But I try not to bother him too much because <laughs> I do feel bad doing that. But but he's very helpful and very generous with his time, and so he's helped me like really learn um, all those aspects of story writing. Um, and while I'm still new, I definitely can appreciate you know his advice and speaking with Dan as well and what I listened to his panel was also quite helpful. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, so we're, we're sort of button up close to the, uh, the, the time we got to sign off or anything, but, uh, do you have any sort of final thoughts on the conference? Anything that we didn't touch on that, uh, yeah. you want to bring up? Um, sure. I think, I think we should talk about the write-a-thon a little bit. Um, and that's kind of preempting uh, my story that I'll, that I'm writing for you. Um, but I thought it was quite a cool experience. Um, you're kind of thrown into the wilderness, if you will. And, you know, you write your application, you get accepted to the conference. The conference, the Complex IDTA is better. Um, and you get in, you're like, yay, I'm so happy to get in. This is a really cool experience. And you're like, oh, now I got to write a story <laughs> or something. It doesn't have to be a story, but that's the way I looked at it. Um, some people did multimedia pieces. Uh, I think one person wrote a children's book from what I understand. So like just quite a variety, just make a science communication piece. And I don't, Adam, have you participated in something like this before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. I did the, um, ComSecCon can this year. I managed to squeak my way in there. So I have gotten one write-a-thon under my belt. Yeah. So it's quite an interesting experience. Like, cause there's no real guidance. It's just make a science communication piece. And then, you know, share it with a group. That's how we had, we were organizing groups, share it with your group. They would give you whatever feedback they could. And then it's kind of like rewrite it and, you know, meet with an expert. But then you're just like, and I had experience a little bit, but it was still like, how do you craft a science story? How do you, you know, think of, because before you, you have mentors, it's fine. But now you're on your own. You're like, where do I find the story? It's one of the trickiest things. Right, and then, yeah. And then you have the story. Fine. You're like, okay, this seems cool. And then you're like, okay, who do I interview besides the lead author? And so it, it's tricky on your own, just kind of building up these things. And it's almost like a trial by fire. I don't know. I don't know exactly what you worked on, but that was my experience briefly. Yeah, I think the one. Um major difficulty I had was um, I wanted to, you know, try to get as much out of it as possible in terms of like preparing for, you know, freelance writing or something. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of had to concoct in my head some, some scenario, like I'm writing this for scientific American or something. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this up in a way that I think that experience would be. Which is kind of exactly what I did. I, I literally, the outlet I was writing it for apparently was Scientific American. Now, I don't know if it'll get there, but that was the idea, right? Um, and so I, I, and in my story, which I'll get to you soon, um, or at least I first drafted it soon, I mean, it's quite, it was quite a journey. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, people should try either with or without um, the backing of these con meetings. Mm-hmm. Just start crafting stuff. Just do something. You know, obviously, it's hard. And I've had the benefit of help. But, you know, just give it a shot. I think it's a good thing. YouTube, there's got to be tons of articles about how to do this stuff. 
Um, and if you're interested in that field, find some internships. I think the write-a-thon was quite a cool experience. Yeah, really just throwing yourself in there is, uh, I always hear that that's the best way to do it. Uh, do you do you have like a blog or anything? I, I feel like that's a pretty um, common way to uh, just get the reps in for, for writing stories. Uh, actually, I don't have a blog. Um, I have really tried to just write for a variety of outlets. Um, and a blogging is something I just, I don't know, I haven't found the will to just put my brain out, you know, put all my thoughts out like that yet. Um, but it's something I'm definitely thinking about because it's easy, it's low maintenance, and um, some people say it's fun. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't done it yet. I, I maybe might pursue the podcasting more. I think that might be something other than writing that I like to do. Right. Because um, I do get enough writing um, through your um, opportunities, but then also with Massive, I can write something almost every week if I want to, and with Parsity, and then other opportunities come up. So, um. The blocking for me right now is not a priority, but it's definitely something I think about. Yeah, that makes sense. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I guess the, the, maybe the uh, push when you're doing a blog is to do more first-person type things, like my thoughts on such and such. Exactly. And that's not necessarily good practice for, for science writing, depending on what you're, you're hoping to do. Exactly. Like I would say that's cool if people want to do that because, you know, if that's what makes them happy, if that's what's fun for them, then for sure. Um, it's just for me, I, I like covering science stories. I do a little bit of business stories, but mostly science stories because I know science is cool. Science is fun. Um, and I've always appreciated that not everyone really gets what's going on in science. Most people don't. And there's this sort of like ivory tower. Uh, but how can we bring, you know, the broader community into science? I think that's the coolest thing because now we have people operating with fact-based um, approaches, which is something that, you know, we could use a bit more of today. Um, I think it's just a way to a better society. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's a, way of, a way of approaching situations that, uh, you know, should give you the best outcome, I, I suppose. I agree. Uh, do you want to maybe give us a little hint about uh, what you were writing for the write-a-thon, or is that, uh, is that top secret so far? No, not at all. I mean, uh, what, I, what I wrote is um, kind of my experience detailing through it uh, from, you know, kind of detailing, you know, what the conference was about a little bit. And then I just talk about my journey through actually writing the story. Um, and so, like, I, I think I mentioned this a little bit where, you know, finding the story, selecting the story, taking considerations. Um, how do I do this? You know, some of my challenges. And then I talk about, you know, meeting my expert, um, which was actually a really cool experience. Um, and you'll read about this more when I send you the first draft, but her name was Stacey Johnson, and she's an expert communicator. Um, with a company called CRM. It's involved in regenerative medicines and stuff like that. Um, but she wasn't a scientist. You know, she was interested in writing, which is quite unique for me because most times when I have a mentor, they're interested in both the science and the writing. 
And so I got almost like a unique perspective into like my writing style, the editing, um, and that so forth. So that was a, quite a cool experience for me. Um, and I do detail this in the piece. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, I just kind of give some uh, tips for how to kind of break into writing. And essentially, I tell people to just do it and see what happens. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I don't know if I've had mentorship from somebody outside of um, strictly science. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's why some science writers end up going to you know, journalism school after they finish their you know, master's or PhD. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, to read this. this. This sounds very, very useful. No, I, I, yeah, and um, I think I think for me that was the, one of the coolest parts was being like, okay, well, I'll bring the science expertise, but you, the expert, tell me how I'm writing, and I, I, that was quite rewarding. Yeah, cool. I'm excited. That's gonna be great. Um, yeah, so that's that's coming up uh, a little bit later, either this month or next month. Um, mm-hmm. So that'll be going on the blog and everything. Um, yeah, so I, I think we covered a, a good chunk of stuff. Um, no, yeah, it was uh, quite. It was a good chat. Yeah, and you said you have to go at uh, at, at noon or so, right? I do got to step out at noon. Yes. Okay, cool. So, so I'll let you go. Um, thanks so much for, for being on the show. And of, of course, thanks for offering to, to write this piece. Um, of course. Where can, where can listeners find you? I know you're on, you're on Twitter a little bit. Yes. Um, I'm primarily based on Twitter. Um, my ad is at Fran, the writer one. Um, and that's primarily where I take any DMs or any, Okay. Post most of my stories, but uh, I'm also on LinkedIn. Okay. And um, any any massive stories or anything like that that uh, you want to um, you know promote or anything like that? Anything you're particularly proud of that you want to share, um, writing wise? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, you cut out a little bit at the end, but um, to promote, uh, I got some cool massive stories um, related to coronavirus and how playing sports outdoors uh, was actually safer than playing uh, sports indoors. And I think that was a pretty cool uh, little story there. Um, and then also wrote a story about um, on Massive about how our brains are, are as young, but maybe not as young as we thought they were. Um, and that was a pretty cool story. Um, and then more recently, um, I covered a story about and this is part of my other internship, but related to gut health and how um, bacterial uh, warriors may be the way forward to curing um, microbiome deficiencies. Um, and you can all find that link on my uh, Twitter. So if you're interested, go read more from there. That's really cool. That's a, a quite a diverse uh, range of topics. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, I think I mentioned that also in um, the story that I'm writing. Uh, that I really try to step outside my field. Um, yeah, I mean that now is the time to do it. Explore different uh, niches and, and see what. Uh, 100%. Really... Yeah, cool. 100%. Well, yeah. Thanks again. Um, I will be editing this 
over the course of the week or so. Um, I'm not sure exactly the date that I'll be releasing it, but I'll, um, I'll definitely let you know. And then, uh, I'll tweet the crap out of it. And, uh, awesome. Thank you. And do I appreciate all that. that. Yeah. And, uh, whenever you have a, a draft ready, let, you know, send it my way and we can bat it back and forth and for sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, this is great. Thanks for the opportunity to talk a little bit more about the conference and myself. Yeah. It's uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I'll let you go. It was really great meeting you, Adam. Yeah. Awesome meeting you, too. Have a good day. You, too. Take care. Bye. Okay. Thanks again to Francesco. You can follow him on Twitter at FranTheWriter1. And now you might have noticed that we still have a couple of minutes left in the show. So here we go. Another installment of Journal Club. This week, I want to share something timely. The new year is upon us, which means we're almost done with this 12th month of ours, and ultimately this garbage fire of a year. But what if we could have just one more month? Allow me to introduce you to the International Fixed Calendar. Uh, Where where did the 12-month calendar even come from anyway? Some pope or something, but uh, I don't really know. Some listeners probably do. But you have to admit, it's annoying trying to remember which months have 30 days and which months don't. The 13th month calendar does away with all of this. It gives us a nice, regular 28 days per month framework every single month. Um, So I know what some of you are thinking. Anyone who's doing the mental math right now, I know 365 days does not divide nicely by 13. But the way that this fixed calendar actually works is we're going to take 28 days times 13 months equals 364 days. So that's how long the year is now. Uh, Where did that one extra day go? Well, we're gonna just add it in willy-nilly. So since the solar year Which is the time it takes to go a full revolution around the Sun is 365 We're gonna add a leap day into every year. I Vote we use it as the first day of the year call it day zero and don't attach it to any month, but I mean that's up for debate Um, I think we just let it float in space just like Earth itself We can take all we can all take the day off to think about our place in the universe Uh, You'll notice that we also have that pesky leap year to take care of, though, every four years. Uh, Same plan. Day zero prime. More introspection or something. Uh, It's also important to note that the spare days don't get a day of the week, or else we lose a lot of the important features of our 13-month calendar. They exist outside the framework of our calendar. They exist outside the framework of our traditional seven-day week. Spooky. Now, there's no country that uses this system. I guess it's like an internationally discarded idea, but there are some benefits to it. Um, Each month has four weeks, 28 days. Each day of the month falls on the same weekday. For example, 17th is always on a Tuesday. Um, The calendar is the same every year, unlike our Gregorian calendar, which differs from year to year. Every calendar you ever get will always be useful. You don't have to save it for four years to reuse it. But I think the, the real draw to it is probably from like a financial business sense. Um, it's kind of hard statistically to make comparisons between months if you're you know, looking at income and, and various other things because everything, you know, every month has different number of days. You know, it might be nicer to have these very equal regular months. Supporters of the international fixed calendar have argued that 13 equal divisions of the year are superior to 12 unequal divisions in terms of monthly cash flow Um, In my opinion, the financial and scheduling aspect is pretty nice, and 
Actually, it inspired the Eastman Kodak Company, Think Cameras, to take up the international um, fixed calendar for its internal business. They actually used it for 61 years, but uh, you know they ultimately ditched it in 1989. I'd really like to know what they called the 13 month. You know, a lot of proponents of this system suggest calling it Sol after our son, which is not bad, but it's really not that fun. Do you have a good name for it? You know, brainstorm, think about it, and you can tweet at me at Adam Forte, F-O-R-T-A-I-S on Twitter. So as much as this fixed calendar sounds great, I'm sure I'm selling it very well. It's not all roses. Of course, changing it now would be an absolute nightmare. Uh, you'd have to reschedule holidays, uh, birthdays, etc. I think the worst thing, though, is that 13 is unfortunately a prime number. That means nobody's going to be dividing the year into halves anymore. No more quarters, thirds, fifths, nothing. You get the benefit of having you know each month be the same, but there's no way of cleaning up the you know trying to compare quarters. Anyway, this whole reinventing of the calendar thing—it's pretty much science fiction at this point, but. Uh, it wasn't always. Actually, the League of Nations in the uh, 20s, not this 20s, but you know the previous 20s, uh, they actually considered it for quite a while. But ultimately, of course, they didn't go for it. But hey, maybe this 20s is the right time. Anyway, that's basically all I have to tell you about the, uh, the fixed calendar. And that's all the time we have for this week. So thanks again for listening. If you like what you heard, you can check us out at scientificcanada.ca. There you can find older episodes, uh, as well as some of our other content, like articles written by this week's guest, Francesco. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash um, There's, you know, you can donate as little as a dollar a month, and that really, really helps us keep this thing rolling. Uh, feel free to find me on Twitter at Adam, F-O-R-T-A-I-S. And yeah, that's it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.